We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday... Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. Derek Van Riper here with Tim Heaney. It's Friday, week seven of the NFL season, almost halfway to championship week, Tim. Hard to believe the season uh, is flying by this fast. Uh, Bears-Packers happening on Thursday night. We'll break that down. We'll talk about key injuries as we approach the weekend. Uh, We're also going to take a look at some players that we like on DraftKings matchup-wise this week as well. And who knows where else the conversation will go. Uh, Before we begin, Tim, how's it going today? Uh, It's going all right. Um, Just came back from watching some preseason basketball last night. That was a very interesting experience to see how little fans could care about, you know, stuff that might be cool. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. The playoff, well, like, the, the thing is, like, preseason NBA is unwatchable for me, like, from, from start mm. to finish. I can, I can kind of have it on in the background, or I can go to the game and kind of mess around on my phone or talk to my friends and not really pay attention and feel like I'm not missing anything. But I have grown more fond of regular season NBA, and, and playoff NBA is, is good stuff. I mean, like, it's, it's legitimately quality television, and I, I enjoy it. But, yeah, preseason, wow. I, I, yeah, if the tickets are cheap or free, sure. They, they, were, they were free, yeah. But, you know, I, I hadn't been to a pro basketball game in, like, about 10 years, and I, this one doesn't count. But it was, it was cool to see the way the experience of the game has actually changed since I last went. Obviously, you know, preseason is going to be even more exaggerated of people just kind of not really being in the game. I mean, it was cool to see Carmelo Anthony and everybody and stuff like that on the court. Nice, you know. But, you know, people clearing out the seats in the third quarter. My girlfriend and I just went down to get Mexican food and then left before the crowd. It was, you know, 
it was just funny how much more people just walking around the arena just you know it are not really watching the game just really enjoying just the amenities that these stadiums are are, are you know giving out now just you know to, to, to distract, distract us from the actual game itself it's just a very interesting experience because basketball games are usually you know very peppy and intense and this one was just kind of eh you know t-shirt really. t-shirt cannon but mm-hmm. shot by a robot on the on the floor as opposed to <sighs> members of the hype team or dance team see the robot would be cool actually so i would have loved that you know <laughs> i know like, a, a t-shirt shooting robot would be a pretty awesome feature to have uh, we gotta, we, we gotta talk to jay-z about that <laughs> uh, yeah he <laughs> for, could he for, could for probably Brooklyn. he could pull that off for the nets <laughs> he's got the resources uh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited. I had a playoff soccer game last night for the team I coach. We we won in penalty kicks. If you're familiar with soccer at all, you know how excruciating those tend to be, especially for an elimination game. It's one thing if it's a tournament or you know a quad or something like that. It's just used to, to decide who advances through uh, during the regular season for something. But in the playoffs, when it's win or go home, especially, it's the the, the worst way to go down. I, I've been on the other side of that. It's not not fun, but a nice win last night and a quick turnaround so if if my voice cuts out during the podcast that is a big part of the reason why Uh, the other reason would probably be shame because i failed to execute the couch crockpot chili that i wanted to have last week part of it i had had a seed meeting on sunday morning for the very game played last night and as a result got home too late kickoff was about to happen i just decided to uh, shack up on the couch without the crock pot of chili and I, I feel like i let everyone down i will make it up to you i will get it done at some point and i will provide either video evidence or at least some still photographs you know instagram snaps whatever whatever people want i don't even care what what platform people want i will i will deliver when this finally happens there's got to be a hashtag of chili that you can spin this off into we decided couch chili, right? Was the hashtag or hashtag like couch chili? Yeah, yeah. I think mm. that's the that's the way to go. And and the secret mm. too, I don't know if I revealed this last week. I was putting more thought into it after the episode. You need to have one of those uh, like lunchbox sized coolers, just like the plastic ones. You put like a six pack of beer in there. Well, you put like three beers in, but then you can put your cheese and your sour cream and whatever other stipe, like whatever cold stuff you like on your chili goes in the cooler you put that next to the couch as well so you can really really save on those trips to the kitchen which take up time and, and burn calories and you don't want to do that you don't want to burn calories while you're watching football you're not supposed to move man that's it's all about just having it at your side and you know wanting to lift your legs maybe a little bit to stretch them and then go right back into place you don't want to actually have to bend your knees and stuff to walk it's who wants to do that way too <laughs> much work uh, let's talk about the Thursday night game. Bears on the road at Lambeau. Uh, Brian Hoyer broke his arm in the second quarter of this game, and it just fell apart from from mm-hmm. that point. Uh, Elshon Jeffrey had a lot of targets, didn't really do anything with those targets. Cameron Meredith came crashing back to earth. I can't really blame the struggles of those receivers on anything other than Matt Barkley playing quarterback. I mean, I, I just... The way the Packers secondary is is banged up right now, Tim. There's there's no there was there was no reason to think that if Brian Hoyer were healthy for this whole game, that Jeffrey Meredith and even Zach Miller couldn't have been productive. Yeah, I think Hoyer would have eventually got it going. He did start out a bit slow uh, from what I saw in the highlights because obviously I was at meaningless basketball instead of watching this game. Uh, four for eleven to start out the game with Hoyer, you know, and then he, then he got hurt. It's you know he we've seen him play pretty well the previous four weeks. You figured you know they'd have a chance to do some damage fantasy wise, you know, with the, with the game score, if it was still tight like that, and they couldn't really run on the Packers that effectively for the most part, you know, when he goes out, you kind of, you're going to have to write this off as just kind of a, a, you know, a a mulligan, I guess, in the sense of, of the receivers fantasy season. So don't, you shouldn't include this game. And when you're looking, you know, at past uh, statistics of these guys, I, you know, I would even use this as a shot to maybe buy low on Alshon Jeffrey, even with the Jay Cutler coming back likely. So, you know, it's a chance where you can maybe maybe pounce on a little bit of, of depreciated value there. Yeah, I mean, with Cutler probably back, that makes the offense somewhat stable and similar to what it was like with Hoyer, I think. And the only drawback is if you make a trade right now for Alshon Jeffrey, uh, you get Minnesota coming up next week. So it's a tough matchup for all the pass catchers. But coming out of the bye... Uh, they have a week nine bye. They get Tampa. They get the Giants. Uh, Titans are a pretty good matchup. Then they get the Niners, the Lions, the Packers again, Washington in the fantasy championship week. So the schedule does open up a fair amount for the Bears coming out of that bye. So I think this is a, a window this week and next 
to start thinking about what you might want to do to acquire Alshon Jeffrey. I think he can be productive regardless of uh, who's at quarterback, if it's Hoyer or Cutler. Hoyer's going to be down for a while. I don't know if they put him on IR, but a broken arm's going to take, what, six weeks to heal at the bare minimum? Yeah. Mm-hmm, something like that, I would think. On the the Packers' side of this one, actually, before we do that, uh, the running game for the Bears, you mentioned it, it wasn't really good, but Kadeem Carey had 10 attempts. Jordan Howard only had seven. Carey had a 24-yard run uh, that boosted up his total quite a bit, 4.8 yards per tote for Kadeem Carey. Not necessarily indicative of him being a more skilled runner than Howard, but Howard really struggled to get going against the Green Bay run defense that continues to rank among the league's most efficient uh, I don't know if you have yeah. to look at that as a, a mark against Jordan Howard in terms of the lack of efficiency, but it's concerning to me that the Bears coaching staff has been using Kadeem Carey in an increased role for these last two games. I think so. I, I did kind of look at last week as a bit of a fluke, but then you realize that you know Josh Sitton wasn't playing in this game against his former team, and then obviously uh, Long got hurt on the line as well, and I believe he's out for the year now. So that line, you know, it, it took some hits, and that might seem like it might affect Howard a bit more than it might affect a guy like Carey, who's you know a bit of, of a bruiser on his own right. You know, maybe because Howard's the system fit seems to really help Howard in this case because it's you know a little bit of his own blocky type of deal. And if those normal guys are out, the system might not run as well, and Howard might not be able to adapt as well being a rookie. Maybe Carey actually with his little bit more experience in the system, maybe he's able to adapt a bit more. Is my thinking. I'm not saying Carey's going to be the guy to take over fully, but you know maybe take a little bit of a quick look to see if you can get him for like two bucks in Fab next week or something like that if nobody notices. Yeah, that could be a good cheap pickup if that has in fact shifted. And running backs on the cheap are always good speculative targets if you have that bench spot available because it takes so little uh, for one player to emerge with a larger share of the workload in short order. On the Green Bay side, we had a running back situation in flux. You and I talked about it yesterday when previewing this game. And if Hoyer doesn't get hurt, this game's much closer. It finished 26-10. I thought the Bears would uh, keep it within 7.5. They obviously didn't. So yet one more thing I'm wrong about. But it was Ty Montgomery leading the way in the backfield. and He, he kind of looks like a running back. I mean, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't seem out of place playing that position. He led the way, nine carries, 60 yards, had a 30-yarder uh, mixed in there, and then caught 10 passes for 66 yards. A lot of those catches coming out in the flat. Uh, Packers is finding different ways to get him the ball in space. So I really like the way he was deployed. I think the problem they might have is that he doesn't have a lot of experience running inside, and they may have to lean on their fullback, Aaron Ripkowski, maybe Niall Davis with more exposure to the playbook, ends up becoming a short yardage option. Uh, maybe Don Jackson, who started the game technically yesterday, maybe he ends up being the short yardage back. But that that only that seems like the only real weakness right now with Ty Montgomery working as a running back. Yeah, I mean, well, and you figure the Packers' offense is not going to be running a lot inside if they want to control the clock anyway. I mean, we always we we did want to have I think Eddie Lacy would be the guy to really just reestablish that. But you know, he's been on and off effective when he's healthy and. You know, they, they, they find that the, the, the pass catching backs do tend to work. You know, James Starks in that role has done good things in the past for however much we want to dog him a little bit. And Montgomery might have the most stable role out of all the running backs just for the fact that he's going to be receiving a little bit. Um, you know, maybe he does have third wide receiver weekly uh, eligibility now if, if he's going to get all these touches. That's obviously a huge advantage there. Uh, Terrell Pryor-esque type of uh, diversity there. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how Niall Davis, if, he, if they quickly able to you know, catch him on to the offense a little bit. You know, he's had a couple of issues with fumbles. He runs a little bit upright, which obviously was an Eddie Lacy problem as well at, uh, early on in his career. So maybe, you know, Jackson's a guy that's kind of, you know, in between. He's a little bit raw in, in that sense. So it's going to be an interesting battle between Jackson and David. I think Montgomery, like you said, is, is the safest uh, of these three that's going to really get these these touches. Randall Cobb had five carries for 21 yards, but uh, it really was the Montgomery show out of the backfield. And then, of course, the 10 catches, like I mentioned, back-to-back games with 10 receptions. If you're in a full-point PPR league, the way he's been used, 25 targets in these last two games now against the Bears and against the Cowboys, Montgomery was gold as a pickup if, mm-hmm. if you were able to land him in a league like that. Uh, Randall Cobb, 11 for 95 and a TD, narrowly missed another TD, just didn't get his second foot down uh, on a catch in the first half. I mean, I feel like every week I'm looking at Randall Cobb uh, kind of under a microscope because I've got him a few different places, 
and he looks like he's on the verge of even bigger games than what he's been doing now in these last two weeks. Yeah, well, I think the circumstances are actually going to help him right now because, you know, with these struggles of the passing game, Montgomery gets a boost, but I think also Randall Cobb gets a boost. You know, the, the Packers do need a way to move the ball quickly, you know, like a substitute for a running game that they don't have right now, and Cobb's going to, right along with Montgomery, have a, have a, a positive, you know, um, recipient of, of, of more looks that way. So, you know, 11 catches, 95 yards, that's a pretty much a Randall Cobb style of game, you know, and at least what we've seen in the last two years when this offense can't push the ball downfield effectively. So PPR leagues, you're looking at Cobb, you're like, oh, wow, I might actually get my value that I paid for him the rest of the way now. So I'd be a little bit more excited about Cobb at this point. It's trending that way. And Devontae Adams, who left Sunday's game with a concussion, comes back with 13 catches 132 yards and two scores on 16 targets like that that's surprising and all of this Jordy Nelson was very quiet one catch nine yards four targets uh just a game plan shift I don't know if you want to look at that as a week-to-week sort of trend I mean Mm -hmm. you could see Nelson maybe getting 10 to 12 targets more often than not maybe Adams being closer to 10 Montgomery being a little closer to 10 and, and Cobb maybe being the guy that actually leads the way. I do, I do think the way they're built right now uh, favors Cobb's skill set. Aaron yeah. Rodgers lost a fumble again in this one. Uh, the Bears pounced on it uh, for a TD, their only score of the game outside of a field goal. So with Aaron Rodgers, the, the only real concern I have right now is that if they're not taking those shots downfield, he might be brutally inefficient. But if the volume is anywhere near as extreme as it was last night, he threw 56 passes, brutally inefficient is fine. It, it's a volume game when it's all said and done. If you are, even if you're getting six and a half or seven yards per attempt, if you're getting 45 or 50 attempts, that'll be good enough. Uh, and if you can't run the ball, you're going to be throwing the ball in close. And we certainly trust Rodgers to make good decisions in the red zone. So his value seems to be stabilizing. But at the same time, I don't think he's the top three top four quarterback I expect him to be coming into the year I think he's more likely to fall between seven and ten among quarterbacks more often than not I agree with you I mean look since the bye week he's had yards per attempt of 5.87 and last night it took him 56 attempts to get 326 yards that's that's not the Rodgers that we've known to you know accustomed to obviously the touchdown and the interception good decision making uh, that that that's a good sign he's had you know 73.8 completion percentage and 69.6 percent completion percentage the last two weeks like you said I think the, the the ceiling is definitely dropping for him but I don't think you want to go selling it because it does look like it's if they're adjusting to the lack of run game it is going to help Rodgers obviously with with the uh, the volume of that Packers get extra time to prepare for their week eight matchup they go on the road to the George Dome to play the Falcons next week that'll be a good test for that run defense this will be uh, another good marker I mean the Cowboys run on everybody so that they ran on Green Bay uh, I think doesn't really say a whole lot it just means that Dallas is elite at running the ball but Atlanta runs it well also and if Green Bay can slow down the likes of Devonta Freeman and Tevin Coleman, that would really kind of go a long way towards pushing me to believe in this run defense as a truly standout unit. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you figure that the way that you could use a barometer if this game was the Broncos uh, when they matched up uh, Devontae Freeman and Tevin Coleman, the linebackers, a lot. I'm not sure they'll take that same approach this time because, you know, the, you know, the Packers not necessarily having that, that same secondary that Denver had that you would think you'd have to adjust like that. So maybe a little bit more of, of a different game plan with just, you know, maybe getting them out in space somehow, uh, just, just maybe like some outside sweeps or something like that. Because, you know, the Packers the, the Packers defensive line is stellar when it comes to run stuffing. I, I'm not sure I could say the same about the linebackers, though. Let's start talking about the key injuries for uh, this week, Tim. And Odell Beckham should be fine. He's got a hip pointer. I mean, he had it, came back into the game, and went off for more than 200 yards in the second half of that matchup against the Ravens uh, in Week 6. Any reason at all to, to be skeptical about his uh, his workload this week against the Rams? No. Well, even if it's a small one, it's the Rams secondary. I think it's a case where they could take advantage either way. So I'm starting him everywhere if I own him. Yeah, no hesitation at all. Uh, Golden Tate, I mean, went off against the Rams last week. So I think Beckham health-wise appears to be fine getting some work in uh, at this practice week. Waiting for some info on Jimmy Graham. Uh, the Seahawks being a West Coast team, of course, will have a, a later practice report coming out. We're recording around 2 o'clock Eastern here on Friday. Uh, so no word yet. He had Thursday off, but did work Wednesday. Probably a maintenance day, but just double-check on Jimmy Graham if he pops up with a questionable tag. I and mean, He's got a couple different ailments that have uh, kind of slowed him in recent weeks, even though he's been very productive. 
Stefan Diggs has been dealing with a groin injury. Looks like there's a chance he'll be back this week. And the only thing I'm worried about is Diggs you know, being healthy enough to play, but still being at that point where he's 70, 80%, and then still vulnerable to maybe having some kind of setback if he pushes himself too hard. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not sure the Vikings would even need to push it because they're kind of you know, rolling, I guess, right now with, with the scraps behind him in, when it terms when it comes to wide receivers. I mean, you know, Sam Bradford's doing a good job running the offense without Diggs. You, maybe you want to have him out there because it's a good, it's a pretty good Eagles squad. Maybe you decoy him. That that's that's a good concern there too as well. If he's if you're going to play him in fantasy, maybe wide receiver three you kind of expect there, and just you know be glad if he does anything beyond that. Yeah, we'll see what they say about his participation levels on Friday, but it does sound like he'll be good to go uh, at least in some capacity for that matchup against philly tyler eifert's going to be a game time decision even if he goes do you trust them enough to throw him into your season-long lineups the browns are the best ppr matchup for tight ends in fantasy that's the thing that's really in my mind when i want to wait for his status uh it depends on your alternatives if, if you really can't find anyone that's just really a matchup play I think I'd go with Eifert. I mean, he, it has been a while for him that he's rested, you know, and you know, working back into things. Maybe on five on five targets, he can he can have a big game against this Browns defense. That's that's kind of my thinking. Low end tight end one. If you really can't find a matchupy type of guy, maybe like a Jack Doyle could be a guy you play over Eifert, depending on Dwayne Allen's status. But it's very hard for me to resist if Eifert's active because of that matchup. Yeah, it doesn't look good for Dwayne Allen. I haven't seen an official uh, announcement or injury report from them ruling. Allen out just yet, but it seems like he's more week-to-week than day-to-day, so we'll see if anything changes as the Colts' Friday injury report comes out uh, here in the next little while. Um, LaShawn McCoy, going to be a game-time decision as well. I saw one report yesterday that said he was going to be out. Maybe that was a bit premature. I think with the Bills, they're probably playing the long game in that they know Shady McCoy is a really important part of their offense this year. He had some hamstring trouble a year ago. And if they don't get out in front of the injury, they run the risk of making it uh, a recurring sort of problem. And, you know, with McCoy, he's got a quality backup in Mike Gillisley. The Bills have a good offensive line. It's an early kickoff on Sunday, so McCoy owners will know. And if, if, if Gillisley is available in your league and you're a McCoy owner, pick him up right away just so you have him at the ready. I'm very much pushing this game or this, this situation towards the doubtful end of questionable like I, I'm very hesitant to buy in to McCoy's participation Friday uh, meaning that he's going to go on Sunday yeah it's kind of hard for me to, to really be all that confident as well and your lead back with hamstring issues that's something again you know you don't want to push and I agree fully on Gillisley he's a guy that, that can't handle a workload of you know 10-15 touches I don't think it's gonna be all him obviously they'll mix in Reggie Bush for whatever reason and then you know Jonathan Williams is a decent big back they can you know get some some short yardage with him too um so yeah McCoy another one you know flex flex expectations until you you know really know what his deal is but it's hard for me not to start him if he does play if I'm really really strapped for uh for warm bodies right now yeah if if McCoy is is gonna start for season long I'd use him for DFS I wouldn't because I would dial back yeah. the workload expectations but even half or two-thirds of a workload for McCoy is probably good enough in season long to turn him loose I think we'll know Saturday if he travels with the team or not this game's a road game at right. Miami a lot of times you'll know right away uh if a guy traveled with his teammates or not if he doesn't go with them then that just rules him out right away. Uh, Deshaun Jackson, questionable. He is dealing with a shoulder injury, I believe. Great matchup this week against the Lions, too. So if he's out there, I really like him. And with the injury, he might be a little bit lower owned than some of Washington's other pass-catching options against a very, very soft Detroit secondary. Yeah, I mean, I worry a little bit about Darius Slay following him. Uh, that's the one concern I might have. And obviously with Jordan Reed out, they're going to move to take out Jackson as, as a top threat if he's active. So, I don't know, maybe it's a Pierre Garçon or Jameson Crowder day more so if those guys are, you know, in line for more targets. But, you know, Jackson obviously can break, you know, a big playoff anybody, I think. So, you know, definitely startable, not necessarily guaranteed for a home run now. If Reed were playing, I would love DJX because they'd take more uh, defensive attention away from him, I would think. Yeah, Reed has officially been ruled out, so we'll see more Vernon Davis this week. I thought we might see some more Niles Paul, but Davis outsnapped him by a pretty wide margin. And if you're looking for your uh, low-end, uh, you know, cheaper tight end in DFS, Vernon Davis is a good option there. But uh, kind of fits into the conversation before. You know, if you're looking at Eifert and 
Jack Doyle and and Davis as your options. I mean, Davis against the Lions might not be a bad play. Well, the Lions have been a great matchup for fantasy tight ends all year, so absolutely. I I think I would have to lean Davis there as well. Really the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, the Terrell Pryor situation doesn't look great. He is considered questionable, also in the game-time decision boat. Uh, without Terrell Pryor, I just don't see a scenario in which the Browns keep that game within 10 points. Yeah, I mean, we talked about this on the podcast yesterday, picking that game. It was obviously one where you would take the Cincinnati points, I think, if, if, if that, especially if Pryor doesn't play. And he's he's the catalyst right now that makes all that go, uh, regardless of which position he's playing. So absolutely, he's he's the key to any chance that Cleveland would have. And I'm, I'm with you. I, I, could see, I can see no uh, clear path if they don't have him. The watchability for that game just tanks goes from low to <laughs> lowest i think if prior doesn't go uh, joe flacco been dealing with a, a shoulder injury uh, he's gonna be okay it appears it he's back on the field friday at least in a limited capacity keep a close eye on it just in case but gets a nice matchup against the jets and i know the the ravens passing game hasn't been very efficient in recent weeks but if they're gonna get well doing it against the jets is really the only or the best possible time for that to happen oh absolutely i mean i do worry a little bit about the i mentioned yesterday also about the jets defensive line kind of getting a little bit under flacco's skin but if he's ready to go uh, and he, he'll have time to you know go deep a little bit here if i you know wallace and perriman i think even without steve smith playing i think it's enough for flacco to, to do a little damage there obviously their massive amount of tight ends can really uh really do some work in the middle of the field as well uh, Carlos Hyde, unlikely to play. I think he's considered doubtful without even the official injury report being out. So you got Mike Davis, you got Sean Drawn taking over at running back in some capacity. How do you see things fleshing out for San Francisco in that backfield without Hyde this week? I, I, I This week it might be more drawn, actually, because it might we talked about that as going to be with them, maybe out. So I don't know if Davis is going to be doing enough or getting enough touches this week uh, to really um, – you know, make a huge fancy presence, maybe flex worthy, but I, I think that the fact that Drawn is, you know, the the, the PPR friendly guy is going to help him a little bit more in the sense that he'll be on the field for more passing downs. Yeah, I think that's always the appeal with him is that I mean, Mike Davis seems to be sort of uh, limited as far as what he can do, and, and Drawn has more of that well rounded back uh, sort of uh, skill set. Interesting note that just scrolled by, uh, this is from the Chiefs. Jamal Charles listed as questionable for the game against the Saints. He's got some swelling in his surgically repaired right knee. I mean, oh if, you're, if you're the Chiefs, you probably don't want to <laughs> risk it. You just want to go ahead and, and back off him and, and just kind of play it by ear for the next couple of weeks and lean on Spencer Ware. Can you just take? Can you get Niles, Niles Davis back just in case? Too what terrible timing for that! Oh my god! I don't. I don't um, think they want Niall Davis back. <laughs> no, I know. Just just for security's sake. Uh, no, Spencer, we're obviously the guy that you know does that. Maybe more Trekander West is actually not a terrible idea either. So yeah, once again, it's you you got to you got to err on the side of caution here. No doubt about that. But a disappointing development for uh, Charles. Nonetheless, uh, looking at some other injuries, Steve Smith likely out, didn't practice all week for the second straight week. He's got an ankle injury. If Steve Smith has an ankle injury that's causing him not to play, it's got to be a bad ankle injury. Like I'm, I'm thinking like an ankle that doesn't like do anything that an ankle is supposed to do. Uh, complete removal of the foot from the ankle. Like There's got to be something really bad there because Steve Smith is probably the toughest player in the NFL. Yeah, I, you even said last week you, you'd be surprised. You, you thought he would just kick and scream to, to go play. Guy's 37. Maybe it's just you know getting a little bit harder to you know rehab that stuff now. The respawn becomes uh, more difficult uh, as you move through your 30s. Theo Riddick likely out as well. He didn't practice all week. Uh, Zach Zenner, a uh, guy I know you picked up on waivers in one league, and, and maybe Dwayne Washington also in the mix for the Lions if Washington were to be ruled out or held out of this game. I mean, Zach Zenner getting 15 carries against Washington's defense could actually be pretty useful. Yeah, I'm really considering using him as a flex. It's a, it's a league that starts, you know, uh, two running back, two wide receiver, two flex. 
it's definitely territory for him. Uh, that watch that Redskins front is an easy matchup, and you know it's a case where a guy like Zenner, who does have a physical running style, could really bowl over them. Uh, I believe Washington had a bunch of issues with similar guys. Isaiah Crowell, he steamrolled them earlier in the year, and obviously even Alfred Morris had a little bit of a stretch there. D'Angelo Williams was just you know gashing them the whole time in Week One. I think Zenner. I'm not saying he's a great running back, but there's obviously I think holes open a little bit easier uh, against Washington than most matchups. Will Fuller expect to be back uh, Monday night for that matchup against the Broncos? Well, one, I don't like the matchup. Two, he was basically a healthy scratch on on the roster this past week against the Colts. Uh, so even if he's back, I don't think this is a week where you'd really want to count on him anyway. But the Monday night start, that makes it even more risky uh, if you're thinking about playing Will Fuller this week. Yeah, I mean, even though I, I just saw something come across that says we'll play according to an ESPN report, but uh, yeah, I, it, I, I don't see the intrigue here. Um, I, I, I don't think it's worth trusting him just yet because you know who knows maybe he gets worse by Monday night too. You don't know yet, so always have to keep that in mind with, with injuries that are still up in the air. People say they might play, but stuff changes within you know three days from now. So. Alan Hearns was limited and then did not practice Wednesday, Thursday. Full participant in Friday's practice, no injury status. So if you were worried about Alan Hearns in that matchup against Oakland, looks like he is good to go and perhaps uh, of interest both in season long and in DFS. Um, I mean, Oakland's pass defense can be exploited. Oh, absolutely. Uh, definitely a lot of Jaguars are in my, uh, in my DFS range in my regular lineups this week. I was thinking about Marquise Lee, though, if Alan Hearns ended up missing any time that doesn't appear to be the case at all now need a website why not do it yourself with wix.com no matter what business you're in wix.com has something for you used by more than 84 million people worldwide wix.com makes it easy to get your website live today you need to get the word out about your business and it all starts with a stunning website with hundreds of designer-made customizable templates to choose from, a drag-and-drop editor, there's no coding needed. You don't need to be a programmer or designer to create something beautiful. You can do it yourself with Wix.com. Wix.com empowers business owners to create their own professional websites every day. When you're running your own business, you're bound to be busy. Too busy. Too busy worrying about your budget. Too busy scheduling appointments. Too busy to build a website for your business. And because you're too busy... It has to be easy, and that's where Wix.com comes in. With Wix.com, it's easy and free. Go to Wix.com to create your own website today. The result is stunning. Moving on to some players we like on DraftKings for Week 7. And starting at the quarterback position, uh, I think the pricing on quarterbacks is really soft. I mean, you could go Kirk Cousins against the Lions with plenty of of budget to spare, and I think he's going to be heavily played on, on both DFS sites. I think we're going to see big ownership numbers on Cousins pretty much universally uh, with the Lions being on tap. But the player I, I kept gravitating towards the most at quarterback this week is Jameis Winston. He's 5900 same price as Cousins, good matchup against San Francisco, and it just feels like he might be, I don't know, half the ownership rate that Cousins ends up getting. On Sunday? I think so. I think people might be more inclined to just use Jacquez Rogers from that game and not really look towards the passing game instead. Uh, yeah, I, I, we talked about how it's probably going to be a high-scoring game. It's definitely a logical one to go with Winston at 5,900. I, I can see that for sure. I think I think the, if Cousins without Reed and if D-Jax doesn't play, I'm not really all that excited about Cousins because uh, I think that you know those they won't be able to carry the game as much without their their big d- downfield weapons. Uh, I'm, I mean, you're obviously going to see a lot of ownership, I think, of uh Derek Carr and Blake Bortles, 63-6200. Joe Flacco, 5,800 is very intriguing, as we talked about, uh, if he's playing. Uh, but the guy, I'm I'm going to go full contrarian a little bit and go with Carson Palmer um, against Seattle. What's the what's the rub? Why, why do you like Carson Palmer against the Seahawks? As I said, very contrarian, and I think that we've seen enough holes poked in that uh, secondary from good established passing attacks. I think they can really take advantage, and... Um, to go along with a stack of Larry Fitzgerald, who's going to be moving all over the field, um, definitely, you know, definitely a, a hail mary type of play, GPP play. But you know, Fitzgerald moves around a lot. Bruce Arians knows what to do with those wide receivers and those types of matchups. Um, I, I think that obviously the Seattle secondary is deep, but the fact that Arizona, I think, has experience against them, they know what to do, and this could be a renaissance game for Carson Palmer. I think. Interesting. I, I was thinking about Russell Wilson as the contrarian play uh, for this week because the. The way he's been playing 
it's a level below what we're accustomed to. The, the better matchup comes in Week 8. He gets the Saints at New Orleans next week, so everybody will be on him then. Still at 7.8 yards per attempt, only down about a half yard from last year. The completion percentage is still good at 65.9%. He's thrown one pick in 170 attempts, uh, 1,334 yards. Yardage-wise, he's had a pace for a better total than what he posted last year. It was a career high in yardage. It doesn't seem like a great spot. He's not running nearly as much as he did prior to this year, and that's a big part of why the uh, the value per week or the fantasy output per week is down. Maybe he doesn't run much in this matchup, but this could actually be a reasonably high-scoring game. Like I, I could see it playing out as more of a shootout than the over-under might lead you to believe. Yeah, I, I think there's, there's merit to that. I'll, I'll definitely agree there. He's $1,000 more expensive than Carson Palmer, and we talked yesterday about how you know, the matchup of the D, uh, the Cardinals D-line versus Seahawks O-line, I said that worries me a little bit. And obviously Wilson not being able to scramble as well is kind of a, you know, in the front of my mind there. Um, I, you know, I, I do see that your point of the fact that, um, you know, he, he, he could rebound at, the, at that point. It would be one where I wouldn't think many people would pick it because of the price. So that's, that's definitely a, a contrarian state of mind with that, which I appreciate. Brady's the most expensive quarterback on the board this week by a decent margin. He's 7,900. Breeze is 7,400 on the road. I, I wouldn't play Drew Breeze on the road against anybody, let alone against the Chiefs. But with Brady, at that price, are you expecting to get a full four-quarter effort out of him? Or do you think the Patriots um, can just open up enough of a lead where we actually see Brady get rest in the fourth quarter? Is that the state of, of things with the Steelers right now? I don't know about rest in the fourth quarter, but I think that running game by Pittsburgh is just easily exposable. I think that's a case where we're going to see a lot of the running game. I don't know. I, I'm struggling to choose which running back from New England, but uh, definitely I think a lot of both are going to be used more so than I think people are going to be expecting the pass to really dominate. But I think it's going to be that Pittsburgh interior is going to be just battered by by the Patriots running game. I imagine that people are going to be chasing James White as a cheap play after what happened last week. I mean – Edelman, if you're going to stack Patriots, it, it'd probably be the the popular combo would be Brady, Gronk, and maybe like White because I don't know people. There's like this recency bias a lot of people have. Where they're like, oh, okay, he'll dump it off to White because they'll have a lead. They want to throw it on the field. He'll check it down. There's going to be a good Edelman game eventually, right? Like it has to happen. And with DraftKings, you get the full point PPR. That's the format where I want Edelman anyway because if he hauls in eight or nine catches for 70 yards, that's a good game in and of itself at 6,500. If he finds a way to score once or possibly twice, then I think you, you really end up in a spot where he's a pivotal, pivotal player uh, in a big contest who really might not be ridiculously highly owned. Yeah, you're, you're probably right there. And I mean, Edelman, obviously, it's an against-the-grain pick, and those usually pay off if, if you pick the right spots. I think it is more of a like Eric Blunt being the safe, um, you know, clock-eating type of back this week. Uh, because if the White and Edelman targets do fluctuate week to week between them, it's it, it usually seems like. Blunt's the guy that's going to really just, you know, move the chains with that. And we've seen some big backs go on the Steelers this year, and I think Blunt's going to fill that role. Yeah, with Blunt, uh, it seems like 15 carries would be the floor in this matchup. 20, 22 might even be within reach. Uh, other quarterbacks to consider. I mean, Matt Ryan, it, as good as he's been, I feel like people aren't really giving him a lot of credit yet. But I, I thought Denver and Seattle would really be the turnaround for him and kind of the regression to the mean. 7,200, not a bad price. The highest over under the week is the Falcons-Chargers matchup. Falcons are favored by, I think, six or six and a half in that one as well. Uh, what's your interest level in throwing Matt Ryan lineup, uh, a Matt Ryan lineup together? Well, I mean, obviously with Jason Verrett out for the year, the Chargers secondary supposed to be one that's easily rolling over against quarterbacks. They haven't been really tested that much. Uh, Trevor Simeon failed to do a lot with 50 attempts last week, but obviously Matt Ryan much more explosive. And do you do the Matt Ryan Julio Jones stack or do you – pick off one of the running backs, which San Diego also has been pretty uh, weak against. It's, it's very much, I think, a lot of lineup constructions involved to which side you want to pick there. Um, I, I think Ryan and Jones might be the safer one, though. Yeah, the Ryan and Jones, I think, might be, for what they're capable of doing, lightly owned. Whereas Freeman, I think, is going to be a very conventional sort of play, looking at the fact that it's a high-scoring game. He does catch a good share of passes. He's been good as a runner. They're expected to score a lot of points. I mean, like that's 
and, and, and San Diego's run defense is bad. So the game flow sets up in a way where it's easy to see this being a, a big week for Coleman and Freeman. But I could see Freeman being almost more popular than Ryan and, and Jones because cost is going to be a pretty big factor. What about the other side of that matchup? What's your interest level in Phillip Rivers going up against the Falcons? Well, Falcons are you know even more established this year that they've been a very friendly uh, matchup to quarterbacks that can actually take advantage. I'm not counting Paxton Lynch and a uh, you know a depleted Russell Wilson, I guess uh, last week. Um, it's more yeah, uh, the Chargers you know passing game bit more stable as much as you want to say Melvin Gordon has had a breakout year, but he's had a hidden. You know, a lot of luck involved in that with the touchdowns, especially his yards per carry hasn't been that good. Maybe this is the one where he takes advantage because the Falcons run defense is actually pretty shoddy as well because they have a lot of nickel and dime uh, formations there that you can run on pretty easily. I I do think that um, Rivers is the one being at 6,500. I'm not sure that that's a low enough, um, you know, price floor uh, for me to really uh, consider Rivers this week. Although I do, I mean, I'm interested in one of the pass catchers in particular that I'll talk about later so I, I, I just Rivers might be like a top five DFS guy for me I'm not necessarily like chasing him everywhere right now but it definitely lines up for something decent so if you were in, in maniac mode and throwing together like 15 <laughs> different lineups Rivers would probably be in at least one of them but Absolutely. if you're in like normal guy mode and you're making like three different lineups he might fall just short uh, exactly based on the quality alternatives I'm intrigued by Bortles at 6200 I think Jacksonville can throw on Oakland because everybody can throw on Oakland and I think with some of these other uh, chalky matchups cousins against the Lions among them uh, I think you might have a low enough ownership number where Bortles Robinson and Hearns as a trio could actually be a viable option I still don't really trust the Jags to run it really well to run it a ton Chris Ivory might be a useful season-long flex this week. I don't know if I want to use him as a GPP option, but a three-man Jag stack isn't out of the question since they're home against an Oakland defense that's been pretty soft. I actually have Ivory listed as one of my GPP running backs uh, just because I think the physical matchup against Oakland's uh, defensive front is actually really handy. But I think it, I can't use all four of these guys that you're talking about. Right? It's you know it, another line of construction thing. Which one do you want to bank on? And do you want to overcommit the resources to a guy like Hearns, who's kind of had secondary targets this week, you know, and this this season because Mar- Marquise Lee has actually been creeping up a little bit in terms of targets? I, I think that you know maybe you just do the straight off uh, Bortles Robinson stack because that's probably going to be the, the best matchup among those things. Uh, I, I I said uh, you know I I would probably use Ivory, obviously a lineup where I wouldn't use the Jaguars. Uh, quarterback wide receiver but i think it's an interesting play to attack the raiders defense from both sides if you can piece them in different styles of lineups like you talked about if you're doing a high risk one if you're doing a cash one you can the cash one seems like it'd be a good uh good for the jaguars offense hearns is five thousand, and then uh, marquise lee's only 3200 so maybe there's <laughs> something to be said for uh, robinson lee if you were going to put a third player into a jacksonville stack a little cheaper down the price list as you look at quarterbacks this week uh, Ryan Tannehill, only 5,100. I don't think I want to use him, but I don't think people are crazy if they want to try to save money and he's the option they gravitate towards. The question is, do you like either one of Colin Kaepernick at 5,300 or Geno Smith at an even 5,000? Smith gets a home matchup against the Ravens. I've been going back and forth as far as Smith being either a, a good big field tournament play where you just pair him with, with Brandon Marshall or just being so inept, so turnover-prone, that you might actually want to just completely avoid him and actually think about the Ravens' defense instead. If you're going to have an opportunity, this is probably your only one to really see if Geno Smith can have anything for a really, obviously, ridiculously cheap price. Because if he shows anything next week, he might be in mid-range territory. Uh, I'm not one to take that chance unless it's like, a if you have a throwaway lineup, like you said, like just the the bum lineup or whatever that you can really, really go against the grain on. Maybe Smith can do that and pair him with Brandon Marshall, I, would, I guess. Uh, I, I would be more apt to do Kaepernick uh, because that Buccaneers defense has been, you know, proven to be pretty atrocious against just about any quarterback. If you've got so much money that throwaway DFS lineups are a thing, <laughs> please contact me on Twitter at Derek Van Riper. Um, I have uh, a donation opportunity for you it's uh, it's not to me personally but uh you know i'm always i'm always looking for a little help on the fundraising front so just something something to keep in mind if you're like you know i've got an extra hundred dollars laying around let me throw some geno smith lineups in there like, <laughs> I, I could 
do some good with that hundred bucks. Again, not personally, but for for the kids. Uh, moving on to the running back position, Le'Veon Bell up at eight thousand. He's going to get plenty of work, but can New England, knowing that Landry Jones probably can't beat them on his own, can New England find a way to contain Le'Veon Bell? Well, I, I, you, you actually talked about this yesterday, too. I think that that's the, the first target that um, Belichick might go to at this point, unless they do a, you know they could figure out how to do a shadow on, on Antonio Brown. Um, Landry Jones obviously lim- limited just about any skill he can do unless he's learned a lot that we don't know about since then. I, I think Bell at 8,000, a little a little too risky for me if you're going to go um, spending on running backs high. I think there are a lot better running backs that you can spend on than, than Bell this week for a little bit more of a discount. Yeah, that's the thing. is You're not getting any sort of no Big Ben on the field for the Steelers discount with Le'Veon Bell just yet. Uh, right. Once that happens, I think you can start to make more of a case for it. Looking at some of the other options, I mean, David Johnson at 7,400. Between the two, I'd rather save the 600 and play David Johnson against Seattle than play Bell uh, against New England. But then DeMarco Murray at 7,200. Probably going to be the chalky option of the top four running backs but it may be worth paying up for him because the Colts are atrocious against the run. No, absolutely. I think th- those are my two exact listings for the top of cash games. Uh, definitely um, the floors are really high, even for those prices. I don't hate Kristen Michael at 6700 either. That could actually work out just fine. But we mentioned Devontae Freeman before at 5900 Might be a reasonably <sighs> high ownership number. You can get Spencer Ware at 5800 And with Jamal Charles dealing with some swelling in his knee, Who's to say that Charles even plays at all? Yeah, that that's a huge piece of news right there for this. Absolutely, and late 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 week stuff like that just turns the tides crazily. And yeah, against the Saints, where is going to be probably chalk though at this point. Is so. this a week where even in DFS you start thinking about Tevin Coleman, given the high over under, uh, given the Chargers' defensive woes? Like forty nine hundred is not cheap by any stretch, so the ownership rate might be uh, reasonably low. Again, I, I'm always trying to find different ways to get players into my lineup that the masses don't really want you want at least one or two really low-owned players if you're going to enter the millie maker with the hope of of coming away with anything near the top prize coleman at 4900 i mean is, is it worth thinking about or is it better off are you better off just going after a volume player like a you know terrence west at 4800 for example or even Matt Forte on the other side of that matchup is 5000 like the touches for those two players seem to be more guaranteed than the volume is for Tevin Coleman right now. Well, we're, you figure we're buying if, if you're making a, a lineup with the high, you know, the high floor guys of Johnson and Murray, which I don't know, not really the biggest millie maker uh, profitability there, but you know, Coleman is as a flex option is a, a nice compliment I think to for the, for the upside and the and the fact that you, you know, might stand out that way. It's it's like you said it's a high enough price where it might People have more people fade away because you know you said guys that might be more involved are a little bit cheaper. And like I said, and I'll get to, you know we'll, I'll mention the guy that's probably going to be owned just about everywhere. Jacquez Rogers against uh, the Niners at forty three hundred. That's obviously one that's going to be heavily heavily owned, and that's one that you might want to fade if you want to separate yourself from the pack. So maybe Coleman is a guy that people are like. Eh, you know he's the number two. You know who knows? Maybe it will be a Matt Ryan Julio Jones game. But, you know, that, that, that's definitely a, a zigging while zagging or zagging while zigging yeah. type of thing. Coleman versus Blunt is kind of interesting. Gio Bernard at 4,800 could be a good mm-hmm. play against Cleveland. I like Jeremy Hill a little more because I expect the Bengals to be uh, really moving the ball well in this game. I don't really don't mind West given the way he's been used, though, at 4,800. You've also got Jay Ajayi locked in there at 4,500 against the Bills. I know the, the workload hasn't really been there prior to week five but over 200 yards against the Steelers a game flow where it's really hard to imagine the Bills blowing out the Dolphins in Miami so that seemed pretty favorable as well do you trust Jay Ajayi enough to throw him into your lineup do you do you maybe have Arian Foster instead <laughs> um, I, I don't know I, I think the that 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 kind of goes with my example of why Blunt's going to be good because the Steelers really couldn't stop that big back like that. Uh, you know, Foster at forty two hundred. You know, if you want to consider that, maybe it might be more of a passing attack. So maybe Foster will be on the field a lot more often this week. So um, it's it, it's a case where I I don't think I'd probably spend it on either one. And if I did, I'd probably do the full PPR angle and go with Foster. I think with these running backs below five thousand, you've got a lot of quality options. You mentioned Jacquez Rogers could get twenty five to thirty touches against the very porous San Francisco defense. Seems like a good play in cash, but maybe a necessary fade in big GPPs. 
Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, as I, as I was saying before, it's just going to be – that's not going to be one that you separate yourself from. It's going to be one where everyone's going to chase. Maybe people – if you want to maybe finish high enough where you get some money, that's the guy you use to get yourself into that level. But it's not going not gonna to be the one that helps you pull ahead. Is Jacquez Rogers actually a good player? He's in a really good situation. As I, that's what we kept saying the last couple of weeks, just the fact that he has the history with Dirk Cutter on offense from their Falcons days. They gave them. They he touched the ball thirty five times last time he played. Coming off the bye, you figured that you know he'll be used. I don't want to say similarly, but definitely twenty or so touches. It, it, it it's a pretty reasonable expectation. He could do a lot more with that against San Francisco. I think so. He, he, even with the less uh, lower workload, he could be a, you know a low end number one, high end two fantasy back this week. I think I like the two players listed right below him just as much, if not more. Matt Jones against the Lions at 4,200 is a a good play, and I feel like it would be chalky if Rodgers didn't get such an extreme volume uh, in that Monday night game against the Saints, I believe. But Jarek McKinnon, facing off against an Eagles defense that is surprisingly poor against the run, I know he's not going to get goal line carries because Asiata's there. He's averaged 18 carries per week for the last three games and he does catch the ball out of the backfield. So you're probably talking about a 20 touch workload in a spot where Minnesota should be just as capable of putting up points against the Eagles as the Bucks are against San Francisco. I, I think that, you know, the, the Eagles um, defense has been a little bit of an enigma this year. They, they've looked better than they have been. I think that that Y nine defense, if it's the right matchup, it can look very studly. And, you know, they, they had a little bit of issues actually with the run early in the year because, you know, guys like Isaiah Crowell and even Jeremy Langford got touchdowns off them. Matt Jones ran all over them uh, last week. I think it's a very similar style for McKinnon to really do something with there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think McKinnon could be pretty sneaky at this point just because that, that the statistics probably, uh, you know, don't reveal how Philly might have difficulty against that offense, which runs pretty well. Even with the running backs struggles they've had i think bradford can direct things pretty well i have to have at least one lineup with mckinnon in it i think matt jones will be in more than one of my lineups if i've got multiple lineups going on DraftKings, i mentioned jeremy hill before at four thousand. he's in the mix for an rb spot or even a flex spot this week with the matchup uh, against cleveland is there anybody else below four thousand at running back that you're interested in well i'll just i'll just throw chris ivory's name out there i'll disagree with you on the fact that you know i, I think that the oakland front is going to be uh, really vulnerable against the jacksonville ground game could it be eldon maybe but if they get in a groove with ivory i, I could see him really taking over that 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 backfield uh this week and just kind of you know controlling the clock with them ivory 3400 that there's a lot of profit potential there if shady gets ruled out mike gillisley is 30 is 3000 like that's that that's going to be He's that, that low wow yeah. that's going to be the spike play based on the shady game time decision on sunday yeah probably but everyone will probably do it so might still that that to me is like less fadeable uh than the matchup we were talking about before uh when we were looking at it was the uh, jack quiz or jack quiz yeah like yeah i think on on FanDuel it was different like like jack quiz rogers is maybe cheaper or the same as gillisley but a 1300 dollars difference on DraftKings is a pretty pretty big jump uh let's take a look now at wide receiver is this a week where you pay up for julio or aj green or do you go down a little bit i mean mike evans really kind of stands out to me at 7800 i mentioned that i, I like this matchup for Jameis. i think if you're going to use Jameis, you're going to pair him with mike evans and i mean maybe if you want to go three-man stack there if you, if you want to fade you want to fade jacquiz rogers i you want to go heavy with the bucks passing game instead you know a winston evans adam humphrey stack may not be a bad idea right um i I love aj green this week uh it's a little bit pricey short 86 but you know even joe hayden is doubtful this week uh that 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 secondary is awful um not that hayden was much of a help in recent years anyway i think that that's one place where you could pay up a wide receiver uh evans as well obviously alan robinson we mentioned before jeremy macklin 6700 against the saints is a nice little uh discount one I'll throw out Larry Fitzgerald again at 7,100. I, I think that people might be overrating that um, the matchup with Seattle a bit too much because he can find space, I think, in that secondary. Uh, yeah, but the, for, for as, as far as uh, top-end guys, I think there's a lot of choices this week. Yeah, I'd go right back to the well on, on Macklin, even though he disappointed us uh, a week ago. Uh, looking down a bit further, if Travis Benjamin's knee is okay, 6,100 is not a bad price on him, but I'd rather get Tyrell Williams uh, at Williams, $4,400 price tag by comparison, regardless of whether you're going to make a lineup around Rivers or not. I think Tyrell Williams is a strong play this week. 
Yeah, um, definitely. You know, we, we said yesterday probably the most talented of those three wideouts wasn't getting the most playing time. That's kind of shifted a bit more in his favor. Uh, yeah, Williams is the guy that I would I would go for if I were getting a Rivers partner as well. If Jackson, if Sean Jackson's ruled out as Jamison Crowder creeping up on your list at forty three hundred against the Lions. Yeah, I threw him down as a GPP for sure. Uh, he's a guy that can find those, you know, uh, sh- shifty holes in, in defenses, and you know, can can get that one big play here and there. And yeah, I think Crowder, not maybe not necessarily good for Kirk Cousins to stack with Crowder, obviously, but I think that the price is pretty good for for a potential profit there. The uh, cheap wide receivers I've mentioned in the last little while: Marquise Lee, thirty two hundred against the Raiders, uh, of some interest to me. Adam Humphreys and even three thousand. Uh, Tyler Boyd gets the Browns, but I, I just I don't know if I like the volume situation there uh, no. week to week enough to throw him out there at three thousand. But that's a tempting price. The other thing I was trying to figure out is in Cleveland, if Terrell Pryor is out, that's a lot of targets that have to go somewhere. I mean, they could just distribute them over four or five different players. It could be a little bit of Hawkins. It could be some Barnage. It could be. Ricardo Lewis. I mean, but is there anybody? Is there anybody else in that depth chart that you'd like to emerge as a deep, deep sleeper if Pryor doesn't play? I think Ricardo Lewis intrigues me a little bit. Watching him play, he's got a little bit of a smoothness to him. Six two two fifteen. That's the guy I think might be able to do a little bit something if there's no Pryor. Maybe he gets you like five for sixty or something like that. Maybe he gets in the end zone because he's got that little bit of height to him there. I, maybe Gary Barnage does. Uh, you know, maybe jumping ahead a little bit, but maybe Gary Barnage does benefit the most from all this. Uh, but I think Lewis is a little bit of little bit of upside to him if you really want to just dig deep on that one. Anything else at wide receiver catching your eye? Um, I'll mention um, maybe I, w- I would say uh, the the Ravens receivers it, it, with Steve Smith unlikely to play. Wallace at fifty eight hundred, and if you want to go deeper, Brashard Perriman at thirty five hundred against that Jets. You know, they've had a couple of deep players burn them, you know, some fast receivers just torch that secondary. I think Perriman, if he gets a little enough uh, snaps, could have a two touchdown game. I think with at least one long score and I'll throw out my ultimate uh, low end guy. If Jordan Matthews doesn't play Doriel green Beckham, $3,000 against the Vikings. Yeah. The Doriel green Beckham hype train will, will pick up a little steam Sunday. If we find out that uh, Jordan Matthews isn't going to go, I, I don't know if that's like a, a likely possibility or even just kind of a remote one, but worth keeping an eye on uh, either way. At tight end, Gronk, 7,200, fade him or play him? I, I, I think it's, there's, there's enough guys. I, I'm going to go cheap at tight end again. I don't care. I know he had the big week last week. You're paying up for the big week. Obviously, there's huge price disparity. I'm not going to spend that money this week on him. I have other options. Travis Kelsey at 5,300 might be one of the higher-owned tight ends this week, I would say, with mm-hmm. a fair amount of confidence that will likely be the case. But then you got Delaney Walker, who let me and everyone else down last week at 4,900 with another good matchup against the Colts. Can you go back to the well on Delaney Walker if he burned you last week? I don't want to trust the Titans passing game as much as I want to trust the running game most weeks. And obviously Walker would be the guy I would target for Tennessee. I, I just I, I, it's, it's inconsistent for me, even though the price is not bad. If you want to go do it, sure, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to keep digging deeper here. The players I like this week are Hunter Henry at 3,600 and Kyle Rudolph at 3,500. Like those two guys, both I feel like should cost a thousand, if not fifteen hundred dollars more than they cost right now. Yeah, those are those are my top two as well. <laughs> um, I also I'll throw Dennis Pitt in there as a little bit more top end option as well if uh, if Flacco's good to go. Are you interested though in Barnage if Pryor's ruled out? Mm-hmm. Um, for 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 one of my lineups, I probably would do that. Uh, as I said before, he'd probably be the one to lean on without Pryor. So I, well, his price was uh, oh, it's pretty good at thirty two. Yeah, I'd probably I'd probably rank him over uh, over uh, what who did I just say? Uh, I'd rank uh, him over Pitta. I'd, I'd rank him over Pitta probably. Yeah, yeah. over Pitta. Yeah. Vernon Davis at twenty nine hundred could be interesting against the Lions. Uh, Cameron Brait at twenty nine hundred should be low owned against the Niners. I mean. Tight end is much easier on DraftKings than it is on other sites. They they do a good job of really deflating the prices of players at that position, and with the full point PPR too, you're just not as concerned about getting a, a TD as you are about just getting someone who's going to get you seven or eight targets and probably haul in five or six of them. Yeah, definitely. That the matchup does not really inflate these as much as other other sites. I'll definitely agree with that. 
Defenses this week. Anything that you're chasing consistently? A couple teams that maybe you're going to have in across your lineups. How are you going at it with defenses? Well, the Ravens are probably going to be number one in everybody's mind against Geno. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six. They're the ninth-ranked uh, defense in terms of price. That's, that's, I think that's good enough to really trust them, even if it's going to be a chalky pick at twenty eight hundred. I I do kind of like that gig there. Uh, or do you, you know maybe you, you can go with the Jets as well if Joe Flacco doesn't start, or even if he does, to go really against the grain there. Yeah, that the that Ravens matchup is going to be a big one. What about the Patriots going up against Landry Jones? Is that going to be a pretty heavily owned defense as well? Oh, look at that! Yeah, they're 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 priced rather cheaply. These 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 had to be made before the Big Ben diagnosis came out, right? So yeah, I yeah, think so. That's, yeah, all right, that's pretty good. I I did not expect them to be that low. To How be about the Titans against the Colts? I mean, the Colts could put up points, but the Titans have a pretty good secondary. They got a pass rush capable of getting to the opposing quarterback, and and Andrew Luck's behind a pretty bad offensive line. Are the Titans in the mix? Yeah, I think so. They got enough of a pass rush and, and penetration with that defensive line. The Colts' offensive line obviously hasn't done a great job protecting Andrew Luck. Maybe Luck won't be able to get the ball downfield as much this time. Yeah, so a couple of viable options as you look at the defenses and uh, special teams. It's funny the special teams is like the lost <laughs> element of this. I mean, it, it's even harder to predict what's going to happen on special teams than it is with yeah. the defense in any given week, but it's not like I look at teams and go, well, that, that team has a good return guy, so they're a little more likely to bust off a, a big play on special teams. Like I, It never crosses my mind like that. You, you miss those days of uh, Dante Hall and uh, Devin Hester at the height of their powers, I guess. Yeah, bit. I mean, I guess the Rams would be like that. They're not part of the slate, well, along with the Giants, because of the London game. So for the main games anyway, like they're, they're just not options. Mm-hmm. So if you're playing the Millie Maker, sorry, no Rams. No Giants. Are you, are you getting up to watch that game? Well, um, yeah, my, 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 I'll probably go up and watch it with my dad a little bit because he's a Giants fan, so he'll he'll want to do that. Okay. So. Well, it's not as bad for you on the East Coast as it is for anybody else in the country, time zone wise. I mean, uh, yeah, eight thirty though on a Sunday. It's not uh, not what yeah. we're looking for. I'll be tweeting early anyway for us, so uh, I'll have to get a little bit of, of that up, and then maybe I might just take a quick nap after that or something while the first half is going on because it probably, might be pr- probably be pretty easy to sleep during that game. Yeah, the the eight thirty <laughs> to ten o'clock nap might happen, and then the wake up and kind of recycle for the real start to the week. I mean, the London games the, to me they're just kind of a pain. Like I I don't I don't like them. Like I, I don't see any benefit to myself having a fourth game to watch on during the day. I think taking players out of the DFS pool is bad. I would assume viewership numbers are bad. Maybe globally they're good, and that's why this keeps happening. But I really want these London games to stop. Mm, At least least uh, as far as earlier kickoffs go. If they want to play a night game in London that kicks off at 1 o'clock Eastern, great. No problem at all. Yeah, but you're going to compete with the soccer schedules there. Yeah, that's, I guess that would that'd be it, right? Like it, it'd be, it would be competing with Premier League. Mm-hmm. And the fact that even uh, I don't know the London thing—it's a nice idea, but for our sake and for the sake of the league, and to talk about expanding to London—that's such a dumb idea. I, I don't, I don't get that at all. Players are going to no, no one's going to want to play and live in London and have to travel everywhere else on this side of the of the pond for that part of the season that's going to be that, that that's probably going to be just as bad for injuries as most any other factor that would be a lot of wear and tear having to do that i always thought if they put a team in london you'd want to put two teams in there just to have like a built-in rivalry and uh, then you could have teams that go and play like one london team one week stay play the next one then when they make trap when they make road trips they play two back to back away if they have to go anywhere further than like the East Coast, just to really cut down on that. I mean, there's some ways they could try to make that work, but I don't trust the NFL to get that right. That's a nightmare scheduling wise. That, that that would just be that that would throw everything off. I think, and they already have enough challenges with what they're doing now. They already are terrible at making schedules. <laughs> they they really are. That's going to wrap things up for this episode of the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, Nick and I are back with you on Monday. Have a great weekend.
Napa know-how. Napa guy knows not to judge a man by his car's multicolored paint job or absence of modern gadgetry. Who cares if it's technically old enough to vote and the windows are powered by the strength of your left arm? Your monthly payment is zero, and it'll stay that way. Because with over 500,000 parts and a little Napa know-how, you can keep anything on the road. She may not be pretty, but she's all yours. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.